0: From CSB Studios in Hasper Heights, New Jersey. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com. Once again, it's John Pielli, and we're going to knock out a solid show today. Lots of stuff going on. Um, obviously, we got the Reyes trade to talk about. We got R.A. Dickey winning a Cy Young. And I got an excellent show planned. We're going to try to get a hold of uh, Marty Appel, longtime PR director of the New York Yankees. And we're going to talk to him for a little bit. I actually got three interviews Hopefully, it all works out with uh, Mets prospects. We got uh, Ryan Frazier, we got Matt Budgett, Matt Budgell, and uh, Philip Evans to go along with the show. And in, in a six o'clock hour, we're going to finish it off with former major league infielder Greg Blosser. So, a lot of stuff going on, pass ball show. We're going to take your phone calls, obviously, get you in there. I do want to get in a little bit about the AL MVP voting and stuff like that. So plenty of different things going on. I'm excited about the show, and obviously excited to be back here in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Once again, we throw them a plug: uh, 1-800-TV Radio. GoCSB.com. Um, if you got that career to get you ain't happy with, and you want to get into, you know, either radio or TV, uh, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting will get you in there in a matter of months, not years. Uh, and obviously, uh, they've done a lot, you know, supporting us, you know, here with MTR Radio. Allowing us to do the shows and stuff like that. So, definitely a lot of uh, cool stuff going on with that. So, feel free to check that out. Um, kind of kind of excited, man. I'm actually going to try an outgoing call to try to get a hold of Marty. So, if there's a little bit of technical issues, we'll, you know, apologize for that. And, uh, you know, also want to apologize for the lack of uh, theme song music, um, you know, for the Passball Show. Obviously, everybody knows the song. You know, all the listeners tuning in to John P.L.A. Passball Show and johnpiele.com yada 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 but i don't want to get on my horse too much but like i said definitely a lot of things going on we'll open up the phone lines for you later on and um listen we're going to want to get into some of this stuff going on um you know obviously um much going on with this uh you know the lmvp voting but we're going to try to get a hold of marty real quick hopefully we can get him up on the show and we'll get the program started today um once again, it's John Pielli past Ball Show, MTR Radio Network. And we're just going to see if we can get a hold of Marty here. Um, you know, usually I usually like to have my guest call in. We're gonna.
1: Hi, it's Marty Appel, Marty Appel Public Relations. Can't take your call right now, but we'll return it as soon as...
0: But, yeah, we'll have to try that back in a little bit. Um, once again, we're going to try to get a hold of Marty Appel. And, you know, those of you who don't, don't know Marty, Marty's done a lot. He started out handling fan mail for Mickey Mantle. And uh, definitely a lot of a lot of uh, great things that he's done as far as all the books he's written and everything like that. So we're we're definitely going to try to get a hold of him. And you know I'm going to try the best I can to multitask here. And you know unfortunately I'm not real good at multitasking. So hopefully you guys could you guys could bear with me. Um, yeah. So uh, once again, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, John Ellie Uh, We're going to jump into some topics in a little bit. I'm actually going to try to get a hold of Marty one more time. And once again, I want to apologize for the inconvenience here, but we're going to get going. Going to open up the phone lines for you guys in a little bit if you want to call in. And yeah, so like I said, my multitasking skills suck. And if you could uh, just bear with me for one more minute, what we'll do is once again, we will try to call... Marty, we're going to try it one more time, and if we can't, like I said, we'll get, get right into some stuff going on with the past ball show right here on the MTR Radio Network. Check us out at mtrradio.com, mtrmedia.com, and also got a good announcement about uh, the johnpla.com website, which may actually be integrated with MTR Media, which will be pretty pretty exciting. So, you know, just trying to trying to get this program going. Like I said, you know, then nothing ever keeps it from going.
1: Hi, it's Marty pal.
0: But um, yeah, we'll have to try to get a hold of Marty later. So once again, apologize for any inconvenience. And uh, you know, for, before any more delay, we're gonna get going with the program today. And obviously, the the MLB awards being announced. And uh, you know, I don't think there's any been any ridiculous surprises so far. You know, as so we try to go through all the awards, and R. A. Dickey winning the Cy Young for the national league yesterday and you know as a met fan you obviously got to be excited about it i think the vote ends up not being as close as people thought it would be uh dickie getting 27 of the 32 first place votes kind of shows that he was the you know he was he was really the you know nearly unanimous winner i mean i thought it would be a lot more first place votes with kershaw especially the way the things went on with you know, breaking down all set stats, all Sabre guys kind of getting involved there, saying that, you know, it's not all about wins. It's not all about this. It's not all about that. And listen, I mean, I think I got to be honest. I mean, Dickey probably had the best year. And a lot of people really, really are kind of uh, against that. Um, a lot of people say, hey, you know, if he wins a Cy Young, it's going to be one of those things where you give the guy, you know, kind of a sympathy vote. And I absolutely, absolutely don't agree with that. I mean, you break down the guy's season: twenty and six, 2.73 ERA, 33 starts. He led the league in innings pitched with 233 and two-thirds innings. Strikeouts with 230. Batters faced with 927. And what I wrote about in my johnpelli.com, check that out on Bases Empty blog, which you could also find on mtrmedia.com. I broke broke down the stats, and really, when you're looking to separate the guy that wins the Cy Young Award as opposed to you know other guys that just had solid seasons. You gotta look at it this way. The tiebreaker in a lot of in a lot of seasons is gonna be the guy that's the bulldog. The guy that's gonna go out there without a doubt. It's just gonna dominate out there and just not necessarily, you know, miss bats, not necessarily win a ton of games, not necessarily have the lowest ERA, most strikeouts. But when we're talking about the tiebreaker here, you're talking about the guy that's the bulldog. And what better case in the national league was made than R. A. Dickey? Here's a guy that went out there and just, you know, faced more batters, threw more innings, led the league in complete games and shutouts, and you know when you have when you have all that in there, you're talking about a guy that really deserves the Cy Young Award, and I think it was proven by the amount of uh, votes that he got that the baseball writers agreed with it, and said you know we're not going to hold against him the fact that the guy is a, you know, it, it was a knuckleball pitcher. And I think you look back in other years, and that was not the case here. You know, you you talk about a guy like, you know, Hi, it's Marty. you talk about a guy like Phil Necro, who may have lost out because he was a knuckleball pitcher. I think you you really went with the best pitcher, the guy that really had the best season. And let's be honest, I mean, you break it break it down, and I tell you, the closest candidate was Clayton Kershaw, who you know in, you know, in spite of his fourteen and nine record, that led the league in ERA at two fifty three. Was tied with Dickey with the most starts in the National League. You know, it was only six innings behind him in innings pitch, 227 and two-thirds, one strikeout behind at 229, and led the league in whip at 1.023. Dickey's was 1.053. So, once again, you're talking about things that are close, close enough that, you know, you can't really decipher either way. And then you got Kershaw, who, who had the fewest hits per nine innings pitched. You know how he misses bats. You know a lot of teams aren't going to get a lot of hits off of him. He may have a couple more walks than the average guy. You, you know he's a Cy Young-type pitcher. The guy's the defending Cy Young Award winner. I don't think anybody, yeah, some people maybe, but I don't think a lot of people would be shocked if he didn't win the award. But I tell you, what really was the difference, the, the deal breaker was the fact that Dickey was the Bulldog. He was the guy that was going out there giving you seven plus innings every start. He led, you know, his, his had 27 quality starts. And, you know, no, nobody, nobody else had 27 quality starts. Here's a guy that's going out there. And really, you know, whether the team's competitive or not, you're talking about a guy that went out there and did his job, kept his team in the game every opportunity. And because the team wasn't good, you're going to hold it against them. I don't necessarily agree. And I, I have a little bit of a disagreement with that. I'm not a big fan of holding that against them. You play for a bad team. Steve Carlton won seven, uh, 27 games for the 72 Phillies, and he you know he dominated the league, but that team was terrible. You're not going to hold that against him. And I think really the way, the way it comes down to you, you you give the guy the credit he deserves. And R.A. Dickey winning the Cy Young was. You know, not necessarily this big ticket to being a Met fan. I'm not gonna put my Met fan hat on and say that, hey, it's a great moment. Yes, as a fan you should should enjoy it. You should. You know, you should for a day. You know, if not for you know, if not for the rest of the off season for a day. Enjoy that fact. Enjoy the fact that the guy won the Cy Young, but don't make it don't make it your whole off season. Don't say, Hey, we got a Cy Young award winner, yada yada yada. Don't go crazy with that. To me, you know, as a fan you do wanna enjoy it for a minute but that's it. But RA Dickey had one of the more tremendous seasons that you could imagine. Here's a guy and obviously we could tell a story a million times, you know, as we as we always seem to do. You know, the guy came from nowhere. He was the first player cut in 2010 when he was brought in on a minor league contract by Omar Minaya. And you got a guy here who let's be honest, you know, earned his way to where he is now. And not only is a very good pitcher, not only is an all star pitcher, you know, not only could have been starting in the all star game last season, depending on the way, you know, you work out the logistics, the whole thing, but the guy's a Cy Young Award winner, and he deserves that. So I'm going to segue that into my next conversation when it comes to what should the Mets do with R.A. Dickey. Here's a guy who is, you know, obviously looking for a contract extension. He has signed through next year with the Mets picking up his option, a $5 million option, which is extremely, extremely team-friendly. And, you know, the guy deserves to get paid, and he will under some circumstances, whether the Mets extend him or trade him. I, I, think, the, I think the extension's going to come first. And whether it's two years, $20 million, or he gets three years, or something like that, something along the lines of an Ali Perez, three-year, $36 million deal, which I think is what, R.A. Dickey is looking for. But, like the guys mentioned before with uh, Chris Mitchell and John Olson on a Wire for Sports program, the Mets offseason really is going to have to do with dealing from what their strength is. And right now, their strength is starting pitching. Unfortunately, they have a lot of holes in a lot of different areas, but one thing you could say that the Mets have going for them is their starting pitching. They have depth. And you talk about having having Dickey and Jonathan Neese nice at the top of the rotation right now. You put in Johan Santana and whether the guy is whether the guy is healthy or not, he's making the amount of money that's going to put him in a rotation somehow. And you hope another year removed from the operation that he had with the torn capsule muscle in the shoulder. You hope that you could get at least a competitive season out of him. And I think I think the Mets will Especially if he's towards the back of the rotation, and are not looking at you know a ridiculous amount of pressure to put on a Johan Santana. Not that he needs it; he's a guy that can handle the pressure. But you got that setup. You got Dylan G in there. You got Matt Harvey, who you know, you could start him up at the top of the rotation, or you don't have to. Here's a guy who has established himself a little bit. He made his major league debut last year. He finished off a very good season for the New York Mets last season, and then. You look at the depth you have there. You figure you could go in a couple different directions. And the Mets, who are not going to be active in a free agent market when it comes to the top-tier guys, they're going to have to deal from a strength, which is the starting pitching right now. And I would be shocked. I would be extremely, extremely surprised if the offseason went out and was over and the Mets didn't deal one of their starting pitchers. Obviously, Mets fans would say, hey, just trade Santana. It's not that easy, and you know that. And obviously, unless you're being totally delusional, you know, the Mets and what Johan Santana is making is not going to be tradable, and particularly coming off of a disappointing finish of the season last year. It's not like the guy dominated all season. He had a very good second half, a second half that was better than a lot of people would have imagined. You start with his opening day start when he threw the five shutout innings against the Braves, leading the Mets to their victory. You talk about the solid games that he had leading up to the no-hitter on June 1st. And then a couple starts later, throws the eight, eight shutout innings against, against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. Those were all the high points. But unfortunately, after that, it kind of went downhill. And it was a little bit disappointing to see you know, him not be able to finish the season. But looking at it this way, I don't know what more you could have expected at the guy or from the guy. Because we went into this at the beginning of last year, we went into this During spring training, we were talking about, you know, what were you going to get out of Johan Santana? You know, writers and experts and people who weren't experts and regular tweeters were saying they'd be surprised to get 15 starts out of him. Well, they got 20-plus from him, and I think that's more than can be expected. And I'm not in a position to kind of say that Johan Santana didn't get the job done last year. A lot of people say, hey, for the 20-plus million he's making, the Cy Young Award, you know, resume and everything he had, that he should go out there and win 20 games every given season. But you got to factor in the injury and what he went through in 2011, missing the entire season. And looking back at it, the Mets got more out of Johan Santana in 2012 than they had anticipated going into the season. And... I don't know what to expect out of him in 2013. You know, obviously the 25 plus million that he's going to make is not going to be worth what Johan Santana is going to bring to the table. He's not going to go 20 and six. He's not going to have 260 strikeouts. He's not gonna. He's not going to be an All Star. If he is, it'll be an extreme, extreme surprise. But the guy is going to be serviceable, and the Mets, I think, have to go go about their business and what they're doing for the rest of their team. And I'm going to take this call here. I believe this is Ryan Frazier. Let me just check. Hey, welcome to the Pass Ball Show. This is John Pialy. Hey,
1: John. How's
0: it How you doing? Is this Ryan?
1: Yeah, it's him.
0: Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm just going to give you a quick introduction. Unfortunately, I couldn't recognize the phone number. Uh, Ryan, Frazier, p- Ryan Frazier is a pitcher in the Mets organization. He's currently pitching, or last year pitched for the Binghamton Mets. And I want to welcome to the program. Ryan, what's going on, man? Thanks for having a couple minutes today. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, yeah, I was just uh, just getting started, man. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your season. Obviously, you uh, you you started out in Port St. Lucie, down in Florida, which was where you, where you uh, were kind of a bump to you to start the season. You ended up working your way up to Double A Binghamton. Tell us a little bit about your trials and tribulations of the 2012 season. <laughs> well, it's
1: been it's been a a true blessing, you know. I. Unfortunately, I started the season, uh, first game of the year in St. Lucie in the Florida state league. Uh, I got the loss, like pretty much just, um, did everything you're not supposed to do first time out. Uh, hit a guy, walked a guy, it, got the loss, but then, uh, bounced back after that and, and, started putting up some zeros, helped the team win, uh, which was good. Cause I mean, we had the best team, uh, in that league for that, you know, first half of the season. And then, uh, Unexpectedly got a phone call. Go to to Binghamton, New York. I almost missed my opportunity to go up there because I wasn't answering my phone. That's you gotta answer your phone call when it when they call, you know. And uh, uh, very surprised I got the call, but I was glad I got it. You know, luckily got to go up there and, and same thing. You know, I, I was, we we're in Trenton, New Jersey, playing the Yankees, and, and we're up by like nine runs, and I, I think I gave up four and runs in a a third of an inning and uh, so I wasn't welcome that that great but like I said same thing like I did in St. Lucie bounce back and uh, put together previous year all together so
0: yeah, he absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely did, man. And I tell you it was something funny. I was actually at the game in Trenton where you made you made that relief appearance, which was your first appearance for, for Binghamton. Yeah,
1: what do you think about
0: it? <laughs> well, you know, I I try to catch, you know, unfortunately, you know, being a Mets fan from New Jersey, I don't get a chance to see a lot of uh a lot of uh, Mets minor league games and I try to I try to go up there to catch the the games against the Trenton Thunder from Binghamton. And I, I do remember that game. The Met the, the Mets had a had a nice lead. You came in there. You you got hit around a little bit, but uh hey it happens, man. And uh I, I definitely think it's great to see you bounce back. Um tell us a little bit about how, how you finished the season. You obviously got your act together, you you know, you threw the ball pretty well for Binghamton, you know, for throughout the rest of the season. Tell us a little bit about uh you know, was there was there any adjustments you had to make going from uh, you know, A to triple A or to double A?
1: definitely you, you got to make adjustments or you won't survive you know uh after that first appearance and you know, i started having my doubts a little bit and, and of course i it was probably about a week went by before i got back out there but you know you you, you can't think that way like i said or you won't survive you will not last long and they'll send you down uh quickly you know I, luckily I, I kept my head together and kept on working doing the same, you know, same routine i've been doing that that got me up to that point and uh Luckily, then my next time out after that, I, I put up a zero and um, just started rolling with that. You know, it snowballed and and fortunately, I, I, they they start using me. In, you know, in tight situations, which is comforting too. You know, start gaining the trust of the coach and they know what you can do. And um, you know, it's, like I said, it's just you just got to keep your head on, uh, you know, confidence up. You know.
0: No, 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 no question, man now let's let's go back a year where you know you pitched two thousand eleven with Savannah, and I actually do remember uh, catching you you know in a game against uh lakewood in lakewood new jersey but um oh, tell yeah. us tell us a little bit about that season you, you had a chance to start for the majority of the season. Tell us a little bit about how to, how that worked out for you and how you were able to you know have some success as a starting pitcher
1: yeah um, I'm gonna bounce back to Brooklyn real quick and because I they had, I had a little insight that I possibly would be starting so uh it wasn't that big of a shock for me that coming in 2011 I would be, you know, used primarily as a starter. So, you know, I, I embraced the role. You know, I, obviously I, I just want to get out there and get innings and, and you know, develop, get better. And, um, starting, you know, I had my ups and downs. Uh, I, I think I struggled a little bit more than what I liked. But, uh, you know, it I gave me a chance to, to get eat up innings and, and develop my changeup. You know, I didn't really have, especially in Brooklyn, I didn't have a third pitch and uh, even in college, I was some days I'd have it, some other days I wouldn't. And uh, like I said, it just gave me a chance to develop that third pitch, something you need as a starter. Um, I thought going into this off or this year in 2012 that I I was on the borderline, might be a starter, might not. Um, I kind of wanted to redeem myself as a starter this year, but um, the Mets know, and I know that you know my 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 key to the big leagues is, would be out of the bullpen. So.
0: Yeah, no question, man. Now, now do you think that getting the chance to start in the 2011 season kind of helped you kind of polish yourself a little more? Like you mentioned about, you know, throwing the third pitch a little more as a reliever, you could stick to two pitches, maybe throw the third pitch in every, you know, every now and again. But did it kind of help you polish yourself a little more getting a chance to start that season?
1: Oh, definitely, you know, you you know, when you have, you know, more keys in the basket, you know, you you definitely uh going to be more successful you know some some nights you know you're not going to be feeling as good you may not have uh the, the certain pitch that you want you may not have breaking ball or up whatever but you if you have a third one you, you can you can live switches as a reliever you can live with two, with two pitches and with three that are i think are you know pretty decent pitches um you know it definitely helps and like uh there's no coincidence that a high success that's or that's why I had success.
0: Yeah, no question, man. Now, as you as you move into the off season, you doing a you doing anything? You in a you know the Arizona Fall League or anything like that? Looking to pitch winter ball?
1: Yeah, um, I got the news that I'd be playing in the Arizona Fall League towards the end of the season, and uh, we actually just finished up today. I, I just got in the locker room and, and gave y'all a call, and I just pitched uh, the top of the ninth, <laughs> which I uh, went well because I I. It's all right. The whole time out here, the last couple of outings haven't been too good, but uh, man, it's, i couldn't have asked for a better experience. Be out here, you know, be selected to represent the Mets in the Arizona Fall League. You know, it was a blast. You know, I got—I uh, got better. I made some good, good friends, and, uh, and hopefully, I can keep keep on getting better and roll into the off season and, and uh, have a good year next year.
0: Yeah, no question, man. Now, now do you? Uh, you know, I guess I guess now wouldn't be the time, but uh, do you do you find out soon whether or not you're going to be in uh in big league camp next year with the Mets?
1: Honestly, John, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I I reckon I, I'm figuring that if I do get that opportunity, that I won't find out it's probably till there's sometime in January. Um, so hopefully, hopefully I can I've showed them enough out here in this season that. Um, you know I can I can get out in the big leagues and you know if I get that chance but if not you know I'll be ready to go for 2013
0: so yeah no question man once again it's John Pela I'm here with Mets pitching prospect Ryan Frazier. now as you as you as you're preparing yourself for you know what'll be spring training and you know if you're not with the the big league club you'll be you'll still be pitching down in minor league camp um, is there anything you do between now and then to get yourself ready? Is it just basic conditioning, or is it, you know, are you on any type of throwing program?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, it's going to be a little – I'm going to have to alter, it, alter my program a little bit, the next give us, you know, off-season uh, workout plans, throwing programs, and so on and so forth. Uh, hopefully I can uh, – obviously I'm going to shut it down for – for a little while, and, and talk to our coordinators and figure out, you know, a specific plan for me since I am, it's my first time pitching all of that till almost Thanksgiving. So, uh, I'm gonna give them a call and, and definitely take some time off. But then, you know, it's time to get rolling again. You know, working out, running, throwing, the works. You know, gotta keep on working hard. That's what got me here in the first place. So, I'm not gonna stop now.
0: No question, man. Now, listen, keep up the good work, man, and we'll hope to see you at City Field sometime and, uh, you know, hopefully within the next couple of years, man. Thanks for having the time today. Sure,
1: thanks. Yeah, thank you. thanks a lot. Thanks for having me
0: on. And hey, no problem, man. And hey, once again, that's Ryan Frazier, pitching prospect in the New York Mets organization. Listen, you know, a lot, a lot of us get into, you know, the, the the top guys, the guys that get all the recognition and the name and You know, their path to the major leagues looks to be so quick. But I'll tell you, one of these things that I enjoy about checking out a lot of the minor league games is you really see ability. And, you know, you look look at younger pitchers and stuff like that and guys who don't necessarily get the big, uh, you know, the big discussion about. And a guy like Ryan Frazier could turn out to be a guy that ends up uh, helping the Mets in the bullpen sometime in the near future. Here's a guy who started in St. Lucie this year, ends up finishing strong with Binghamton. And, you know, th- here's a guy that could certainly break the, uh, you know, what will be the Las Vegas team for AAA next year. And, you know, you never know. I mean, obviously we go through this all the time. When you talk about relief pitchers, that you could set yourself up with a bullpen that you think is so great. And it ends up not being that way. And you're going to need guys, you know, you're not going to be able to make it with your seven, you know, eight relievers that you have all season. And, Anybody that could help would certainly be a big deal, and I think that's you know a situation where the, you know the Mets are you know just like every other team are going to look for as many arms as they possibly can. But um, we're going to try to take a quick break here. You know, hopefully I'll be able to get it right. Um, you know, Passball Show MTR Radio Network. We'll be back with a little more after this.
2: MTR. Hello, everyone. This is Joel Amort from ADD Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in to mtrradio.com. Don't forget to tap that app in the Android Market and iPhone App Store. Search MTR Radio on your handheld device.
0: Tap that app.
2: We're on 24-7. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MTR Radio.
0: What's up, everybody? This is James
2: Flippin and you're rocking with the crew on MTR Radio.
0: Welcome to mtrradio.com. You can listen to our live program in Monday through Friday. Get your voice heard by calling us at 609-910-0687 and on Facebook and Twitter at MTR Radio. You
2: can put this together, right? <clears throat> I like to tap that app on MTR Radio. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, M-T. MTR. Don't forget to tap that app in the Android Market and iPhone App Store. Search MTR Radio on your handheld device. Tap that app. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> MTR Radio. Oh. Hey, everyone. This is Joel Amort from ADD Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in to mtrradio.com. We're on 24-7. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MTR Radio. Don't forget to tap that app in the Android Market and iPhone App Store. Search MTR Radio on your handheld device. Tap that app. Everybody's doing it. (laughs) MTR Radio. I love MTR Radio because of its uh, innovative direction. That's a bunch of <laughs> I love MTR Radio because they accept me. Ah, oh, you knucklehead. Hey, everyone. This is Joel Amort from ADD Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in to mtrradio.com. We're on 24-7. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MTR Radio. Trending today on Twitter. <laughs> MTR
0: Oh, yeah. Welcome back. This is the Passball Show. John Pielli right here on the MTR Radio Network. Don't forget to check out, like you just heard, the uh, iPhone and Android apps, which, listen, I'm able to pop this station on in my car pretty much whenever I need to. And, I, listen, there's a lot of great programming, obviously, all week long. Um, live programming pretty much between about 12 and about 9, you know, Monday through Thursday. Friday, they got some programming. They got the new Roger All Show, which you definitely got to check out, man. This guy is phenomenal. And uh, I believe he runs from about 12 to 2 on Fridays. So definitely uh, take time to check it out. Don't forget, every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, you got a show with James Flippin and Joey Baboots, and they do a great job. Um, you know, every now and then I might do a spot here and there, but yeah, they do a phenomenal job. They get a lot of people, you know, calling in. Uh, basically, go over everything going on in sports. They they've really done a great job covering the NFL football season. Um, you know baseball. You know anything going on really in sports? So check that out from ten to eleven every day, Monday through Friday. That's the MTR Morning Show. And once again, this is John pass ball Show. Um, Tons of stuff going on in Major League Baseball. And you know I'm going to hit on a, l- a little bit of a couple things going on. Tory Hunter signing with the Detroit Tigers. And it's funny. I mean, you got a tweet from a from a guy that I follow on Twitter. He was talking about the change in what's happened with the Detroit Tigers. And interest in joining the Detroit Tigers and obviously a team that made you know won in American League pennant ended up going to the World Series last year you go through the last five years or so plus and they're 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 a top team I mean obviously you know a guy like Miguel Cabrera who's going to win the MVP today I'm going to talk about that a little later Uh, you know adding Prince Fielder they got Justin Verlander who won the MVP in the Cy Young last year and they're pretty stacked top to bottom and this is a team that should be the odds on favor to win the American League Central Division again next season. And, uh, you know, to get a guy like Torrey Hunter, who, you know, pretty much wants to go to Detroit first and tells, tells the other teams, the other representatives, has his agent go out there and say, listen, I want to know if Detroit wants me first before I'm interested in going anywhere else. And this obviously started with a situation with him with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, where he spent the past five seasons, made pretty good money. But the Angels ended up giving him a really low ball offer, and they did it. You know, he did. You know, in his mind, and I, I think looking at it as an objective point of view, the Angels did a bad job offering him one year and five million dollars. So he takes that as an insult. He says, "Listen, I don't care if you guys up your offer by ten million. I'm not coming back to the Angels. I'm going to test the free agent market. Sets his sights on the Detroit Tigers. And why not? You know, not only is this team, you know, when comes comes off an AL pennant. But listen, they're, they're stacked. You know, we came into this season. You t- we talked about it on the thirty to one MLB countdown on JohnPelli.com. The Tigers were ranked up at the top. They were one of the teams to beat. You know, you could always throw the Yankees in there. You talk about the Rangers, and you know, even the Angels and everything they did. But the Detroit Tigers were amongst, amongst most people's top five teams in baseball coming into this season. So you know, the season goes on. The Tigers end up winning a pennant, and there's no question. That the Tigers would be a team that if I was a free agent, I would want to go to. So, Torrey Hunter ends up going there. Two years, $26 million. He's going to play probably right field, I would assume, where he played the last couple years with the Angels. And he certainly makes the Tigers better than they were before. And if you put him in there instead of Delman Young or him in there instead of Brendan Bosch, that's an upgrade. And you're talking about a team that really has some ability offensively, Up and down, that lineup has got to be one of the top two or three in baseball. You add Torrey Hunter to a team that has Cabrera and Fielder in the middle of that order. Don't forget about Jahani Peralta, who had a very good postseason. Coming off a down year, but the guy's going to put up numbers next year. Mark my words. You know, you got him. You got Austin Jackson bouncing back. You know, you got this this team really, you know, with Avila catching, you're going to throw in the fact that Victor Martinez – a guy who we all forget about so quick, may or may not be the reason that the Tigers went out there and signed Prince Fielder. But Victor Martinez is going to be the DH for the Tigers next year. So you add Martinez there with Torrey Hunter. Alex Avila should bounce back after a down second season as the team's backstop. Tell me that team's not stacked offensively. And you talk about the pitching. I mean, they they got enough pitching. The only issue with the Detroit Tigers... Is going to be their bullpen. And I'm very curious to see what happens this offseason. Jose Valverde more than likely is not coming back to the team. So they're going to go in a different direction when it comes to closer. Should they sign Rafael Soriano? Should they not? Listen, I, I, if I was Detroit, I'd be interested. You obviously got the Angels in the mix there. A couple teams looking for a closer. Soriano, 40-plus saves for the Yankees, filling in for Mariano Rivera. He's going to be a hot commodity. Teams are going to want to add him for a three-, four-year deal. Soriano... Regardless of what Yankee fans say, what made the smart move by opting out of his deal? Because coming off of this season, he is going to get paid somewhere. And once Mariano Rivera announced that he's coming back to the Yankees, and I think we all knew coming in that this was going to be the case, that he was going to come back for one more season. He was not going to let his career end, you know, shagging fly balls in the outfield, you know, tearing his ACL. I think, the, you know, we know that this guy is going to go out and give you. At least one more big season. Probably not the kind of guy that's going to do a Chipper Jones saying, this is my last season and have the last tour around and get all that, you know, the accolades and everything. That's not, that's not his style. But with Mariano Rivera coming back, I don't blame Rafael Soriano for opting out of his deal. I mean, he had the clause put in his contract. Scott Boris helped him out there. When he signed that three-year deal to get paid like a closer to be a setup man, that he would pursue the opportunity to be a closer somewhere else. And he chose not to after the first season. And, you know, he didn't have a good first season with the Yankees. He pitched well, but not as well as you would have expected. But once he got the ball as the closer again, he dominated. He had as good of a season as any closer in Major League Baseball last year. I know we talk about Kimbrell and Aroldis Chapman and everything that they did. They were dominant. They got the job done. They were up there amongst the Cy Young candidates this year. Kimbrell getting a first-place vote, even though he wasn't a finalist. Yesterday showing how good of a season he had, but Rafael Soriano was right up there amongst the best closers in the game. Now, if I'm the Detroit Tigers, do I want to throw that kind of money out there? That's the only thing, you know, owner Mike Gillich has obviously opened up the wallets. He allowed Dave Dombrowski to bring in Prince Fielder last year and all the moves that they made, whether it was adding Annabelle Sanchez and Omar Infante and everything that he is given to Dombrowski to allow him to do what he needs to do to make this team win? Does he up the ante again after signing Torrey Hunter and allow Dave Dombrowski to go out there and get that back at a bullpen guy? Because Jose Valverde had a super 2011 season. He didn't blow a save. He had a lot of shaky moments where you kind of worried yourself, as if you're a Tiger fan, about whether he's going to get the job done, but he did it, and that was the most important thing. And that's 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 the way you look at closers. It's like it's not a matter. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, it's not a matter of of closing you know games and getting one, two, three innings. That doesn't happen. The life of a closer is to kind of dangle a little bit, make the audience ha- be on suspense a little bit, make them scared, and in the end get the job done. And that's what Jose Valverde did in 2011 that he didn't do in 2012. And obviously the Tigers are in a situation where they're looking to move on. I don't know where Valverde is going to end up. I think he's a guy that may actually be, he might be one of the last guys to sign. He might come into a team, you know, as small market or as far behind contending as the Houston Astros. And I'll tell you, looking look, looking at it, it is interesting, very very interesting to see how this ends up tuning out. But I think it's going to be a big deal. To see how, uh, to see how how this pans out. I mean, are the Detroit Tigers gonna continuously dish this money out? I mean, you know, we got plenty to talk about when we talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and what they're doing. But when is the cutoff? And you talk about where it is with the New York Yankees when Hal Steinbrenner has gone out there and made it clear that they want to be under 189 million for the 2014 season. That's going to totally in, impact their offseason here. I don't see the Yankees going out there signing anybody for any more than a one-year deal. And if anything, if they decide to go for two for two years, it's going to be front-loaded. They're going to go for a two-year contract where a guy gets 12 million one year and like 5 million the next year. And I don't know how many players are going to go for that. I really don't know. But when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, you want to wonder where the cutoff is. You know, you got Miguel Cabrera and everything he's making, and you got Prince Fielder and everything he's making, and Justin Verlander. For, don't forget about Victor Martinez, who was in the third year of a big contract. And you put all that in there, and you wonder, when, when are they going to say that enough's enough? When are they going to say that they're not going to be ready to do it? And I don't know. Maybe the Tigers decided, listen, we came that close. You know, we came a, a you know a tough World Series against a San Francisco Giant team that was just on fire, away from getting what they deserve and what they feel that they need, and that's another World Series championship, something that has deserted them since 1984, and you know, all the years before that, 1968. And you talk about you know when they won in a, you know in, in 35 and 45, you know Detroit Tiger World Series championships don't come like the Yankees do. You know, we're talking about a handful of championships that sometimes you know there's a little bit of a, It always seems to be a gap between them. They thought they were going to get in in 2006 and they ran into that cardinal team. Same thing happened to them this year against the Giants. And it's not that this team isn't stocked to do it. The team that went in the World Series this year was 20 times better than the team that went in the World Series in 2006. And sometimes you just, it's all about in the postseason. It's all about what team is the hottest, what team is on fire, what team is going for it, what team is really clicking on all cylinders. And that that's the team of the whole series. But if I'm the Detroit Tigers, I'm wondering really what, what we're going to end up doing. But we're going to put that on hold, take in this next phone call. Is this Matt Budgel? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, buddy? This is John Pialy, Passball Show on TR Radio Network. Thanks for having a couple minutes today no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm going to uh, just uh, allow the listeners to know a little bit about you. Matt, Matt pitches in the New York Mets organization. Uh, this past year ended up finishing up in uh, Kingsport where he put up some pretty good numbers. He's a 10th-round pick in the 2011 player draft and is 20 years old. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about your last season. Um, you know, obviously you got a little bit of a chance to pitch with the Gulf Coast Mets in 2011 and kind of had some full season work in Kingsport. Tell us a little bit about the season this year.
1: As a team standpoint, you know we kind of got off to a rough start. Uh, a lot of people would point to, you know, we had a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperience with uh, the loss of the Gulf Coast League and our organization. Um, but you know, we we had a, a good group of guys down there in Kingsport, and we worked pretty hard. We had a good good core guys that pushed the team, you know, throughout the entire season, and that was pretty important to. Uh, Overall, you know, I think we accomplished a goal, and we wanted to see ourselves improve as individuals, but we wanted to see a good team improvement as well, and uh, second half of the season, you know, actually we started, you know, putting some winning streets together and playing some good baseball, and we definitely had a, a good good pace in our mouth after the season.
0: Now, nah, no question, man. Now, tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you, come, out of, you come out of high school in California you know you you make the transition obviously to get drafted at all you gotta you gotta have some talent you gotta really be be dominating down there tell us a little bit about the transition from you know pitching in high school to professional baseball um
1: well for me personally uh, i was pretty fresh into pitching uh in general when i was in high school i just started pitching uh my junior year in high school really um my club coach at the time he uh He said, you know, he thought I had a good arm. I used to be a third baseman. He thought I had a good arm from third, so he kind of just put me on the bump. So the biggest transition that I would say that I noticed was definitely uh, in high school you can get away with a lot more things than you can in pro baseball. In pro ball, uh, you give up the first guy. If you walk the first batter of an inning, then, you know, you definitely have your work cut out for you. In high school, you know, you can get away with a walk because you can – you know, you can throw it pass guys in high school. When you get to pro ball, everybody can hit a fastball, especially if you don't locate. And I think that's the biggest key is, is learning how to locate and learning how to command the strike zone in pro ball.
0: Now, on it out a little bit. Now, do do you feel like that's something you made you made the necessary strides this year, or is that something that you're continuing to have to work on?
1: Um, you know. I think this year I definitely improved on it, but, you know, I would be foolish to think that I don't have to keep on working on it and that that's not something that I need to continue on trying to hone and trying to perfect as I, you know, mature as a pitcher and organization and in my career in general. Um, but I would definitely, you know, I, I have to credit myself. I did improve a lot in learning how to command the zone, especially as uh, the season progressed. You know, I started off, I was a little more wild in the beginning of the year. Uh, as the year went on I kinda settled down found my groove and uh you know I was able to put up a pretty
0: good season. Yeah once again this is John Pielli. I'm here with Mets pitching prospect Matt Budgel. Now Matt, tell the tell the fans a little bit about what your what your makeup is as a pitcher. Obviously you got the fastball. Tell us a little bit about your secondary pitches and everything that you bring to the to the table as a pitcher. Alright, uh, well I mean obviously
1: any any pitcher that's ever had success is gonna be able to pitch off the fastball itself so um, I would say my second best pitch would be my breaking ball, my curve ball. It's more of a 12-6. It's pretty late, pretty sharp. Uh, it's got a pretty big drop in velo too. It's only about 72 to 74 miles an hour, so it's pretty, I mean, pretty slow on the gun, but it, it looks quick just because of the, the big drop in it. But um, I'd say since I got to professional baseball, learning how to throw a changeup has been uh, definitely one of the most important things also, you know. I mean, it sounds like there's there's so many important things, and there really is. that you just you learn every time you go out and pitch. You know what's more important? And uh, I'd say definitely, if you have a breaking ball, that does help. But the changeup is probably the most important pitch outside of the fastball.
0: Yeah, no question about it, man. Now, and as you as you're, as you're in there, I mean, what do you? Uh... Is, is there anybody in the Mets organization that's really working with you with the changeup, or is this something that you were able to throw in high school and you're just kind of trying to fine-tune it? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, in high school, I was pretty much just fastball, curveball dominant. I never really ever threw a changeup until I did get to pro ball. And uh, Mark Brewer, he was my first year uh, pitching coach in the GCL. He was the, kind of the person who introduced the changeup to me, and ever since then with the uh, Jonathan Harris and Ron Romanek and uh, a lot of the other guys with Frank Viola and and uh, of course Abbott he you know they've all given me their own bit of information they can as far as perfecting the changeup and I've just done the best I can to take every bit from everybody and uh, kind of put it all together to make up you know make it make sense in my own head.
0: Yeah, no question, man. And I guess the key to it is to continue to same arm motion with the different grip and stuff like that. And I guess I guess you know like for somebody that hasn't thrown it, it's probably. Uh, Probably takes a long time. I mean, are you uh, are you are you working on your you know your motion to deviate you know maybe maybe not give away the change up as much and to be able to throw with the same motion as you do your fastball?
1: You know, um, a lot of people, you know, have asked me if it is tough, you know, because I haven't really been pitching too long. But uh, I mean, I I kind of try and think of it as an advantage because I haven't been able to practice bad habits for very long, and I've been fortunate enough to have you know, some of the best instruction you can get uh, at a very young stage in my pitching career, and uh, I think that's really helped for me to be able to learn quick and and pick up good habits really quickly.
0: Yeah, no question, man. As you're you're moving into the season, are you doing anything as far as uh, winter ball or anything?
1: Uh, As far as competitive nature goes, uh, I'm not playing in any games or anything like that, but uh, I do... Actually, I just started the training routine. We started up uh, not not too long ago. Actually, just a few weeks ago. We you know we get our our two weeks off to have our active recovery, and then uh, you know 2013 season doesn't start too long after the last one ended. So uh, as far as winter ball goes, nothing really going on. But I'm in the gym four days a week, and uh, I'm only throwing once a week. I'm trying to keep my arm motion and keep my arm strong because one thing I noticed last year when I came back. Uh, it was tough to find my arm slot. You know, it took me a couple of weeks to get everything back to uh, the rhythm and the motion that it was in the year before.
0: Yeah, no question about it, man. Now, as you as you're as you're moving, I mean, I know a lot of pitchers, especially when they're young, they want to, you know, they want to try to max out their options to possibly be a starter if it's at all possible. Is that something you're looking to do, or are you kind of content being a relief pitcher now?
1: I mean, you know, um, as far as content would go, I wouldn't exactly uh, use that as the word. I would say that uh, if being in the bullpen is what's going to get me to the big leagues and give me the best shot and help us to win up there then that's where I belong if it's that's going to be in the starting rotation then you know that's where I would rather be wherever it wherever it seems fit that's that's where I'll be and you know whether it's out of the pen or in the rotation I'm going to go out there and you know throw the ball like I can
0: Now listen I'm going to put you I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here a little bit you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of pitchers come out of high school, and you know, it's it's a long path to the big leagues. that ends up taking years. Some pitchers come out and have you know are, are fine tuned enough that they think the jump to the big leagues could be a little quicker. Where do you consider yourself right now? I consider myself uh,
1: just exactly where I need to be. I think I'm a young pitcher. I think I, I have you know I have a lot of talent and. I also am aware of the fact that I have a lot of work to do in front of me and that I have a long path in front of me that is necessary for me to go down if I want to get to the big leagues, which is the ultimate goal. So I would say uh, I'm at a humbled state at this point.
0: No, Absolutely, and that's, that's the way you got to be, man. Listen, Matt, I want to thank you for some time today. Hopefully I could get you on the program sometime in the near future, man. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at City Field soon. Hey, no doubt, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. Yeah, anytime, man. And once again, I was Matt Budgel, who's a pitcher in the New York Mets organization. Most recently pitched for Kingsport, which is obviously one of the rookie leagues. Um, I think realistically you could see him maybe make the jump to, uh, you know, Brooklyn or even Savannah this year. And, uh, you know, listen, I mean, he's a, a guy 20 years old, 10th round pick in the 2011 draft you know, out of California. And yeah, listen, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting to see that, you know, you could get these guys up there and, you know, you never really know. And, I, of course, there's, there's meth fans out there that are a little, you know, a little like, hey, you know, it's all about the farm system. I love all these guys. They're 20, 22 years old. I just want to see them up in the big leagues. And, you know what, that's what they got the minor leagues for. And that's what they do. I mean, you know, you got, it, you, you know, you got the competitive baseball down at the lowest levels to see which guys can kind of get themselves to the best position. And you got a spot here where, you know, a guy's 20 years old right now. And, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. The guy's pitching in Kingsport. You know, hopefully we could get to see him, you know, in, a, in the near future. And, you, you know, you see, you heard about Jacob. He's a fastball, curveball guy, learning to change up. And, he, you know, he, he made some very good strides with it. And, you know, probably is best suited as a reliever. But you never know. I mean, this guy could, you know, make a couple starts and, you know, end up be, becoming a starting pitcher and, you know, maybe take off from there. You don't really know how it's going to go. But, you know, listen, I, you know, I do actually want to throw a um, a plug out there. You, know, you can follow Matt Budgel on uh, Twitter. It's, uh, I believe, it's at its itsbudgel, I-T-S-B-U-D-G-E-L-L. And you can follow Matt on Twitter. And, you know, Ryan Fraser, who joined us earlier in the program, you can follow him at, at – up goes Frazier, F R A S E R. So you can follow these guys on Twitter, you know, kind of get a little idea of where they're at, where they're going to be. And, you know, listen, man, it's, you know, you're looking at every team can kind of do the same thing, let's be honest. I mean, as a Met fan, obviously I want to see what's going on in the system, where these pitchers and young players are coming from and where they're going to be. But if you're a fan of any team, get, it, get into your, you know, study the farm system a little more. Watch where these guys are going because all 30 teams, have got players that you could, that could potentially make a major impact on a major league team in a couple of years, and I you know I find it fascinating. I find it interesting. I love you know not not just looking at the Mets organization, but you know looking at prospects in the other organizations. You know you can see where the Phillies are. You can see where you know teams like the Marlins and the Braves and you know the American League, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Every team is you know a player who makes a stride at a point away from having a next star and i don't know if i don't know if And obviously that's where fans are looking for they're looking for who's going to be the next star who's going to be the next impact player who's going to be the next star pitcher but we all realize that a team you know is 25 guys and it isn't about one or two guys that are going to dominate it's about a group of players and a group of players in the future always comes from you know, a team's farm system and, you know, I do want to thank, you know, Matt and, uh, of course, uh, Ryan Frazier for joining us in the program. You know, great job by both of them. And, uh, you know, really, it's, 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 it takes a lot for them, you know, at their age and at their level to kind of talk about where they are and where they're going. And, you know, for me to put, you know, put them on a spot and say, where do you, where do you expect yourself? You expect yourself to be on a fast track to the major leagues. Yeah, that's the kind of, you know, line of questioning that you would expect. But at the same time, you know, these guys don't really know. These guys don't really know where they're going to be in a year or so. And, obviously, I wish you know both of them the best, and I appreciate them having some time to call into the radio program today. But lots going on at Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. We're going to get ready in a little bit for Hour 2 of the program, but I do want to let you guys know that a week from Saturday, which will be November the 24th, uh, MTR Radio will be having a, uh, a uh, Hurricane Sandy benefit down in um, – uh egg egg harbor, Bargaintown, New Jersey, where we're gonna be, I believe, uh, live on the radio from one to five. And you know, a lot of stuff going on. We're gonna be doing a lot of fundraising for, you know, victims of Hurricane Sandy. Um a lot of your MTR radio personalities are gonna be there from Bill Zeltman, to James Flippin, Joey Baboots, you know, a lot of other people going in there. I haven't got some confirmations on some people, so I don't want to throw somebody's name out there. They're ain't gonna be there. But you know, hopefully all those guys get there. I'm gonna be down there. And it's going to be be a lot of fun. And at the same time, you know, everything goes to a good cause. We're going to raise, you know, some money like a lot of other people have. And, you know, hopefully we'll help some of the victims of Hurricane Sandy by, uh, you know, everything going on Friday – I'm sorry, Saturday, November the 24th. Uh, The Passball Show next week uh, won't be on Thursday. We're actually going to go on Saturday. I'm going to go on that night from 7 to 9 p.m. I got a list of some guests and stuff like that, like we always do here on the Passball Show. And it's going to be fun, so make sure you tune in from 7 to 9 next week. But um, we're going to go out there, take a little bit of a break, about a five-minute or so, and uh, we'll be back more with uh, plenty of stuff going on in the past ball Show after this.